Hey, thanks for downloading this podcast. If you want to listen live, be sure to download the iHeartRadio app and search for Fantasy Sports Radio Network. Thanks for listening and enjoy the show. You're listening to the Fantasy Sports Radio Network. Welcome back to Fantasy Sports Today. Craig and Joe, hour number two with you. We're going to do some average draft position in baseball wars. We've got that. Uh, as well as some conversations that we had earlier in the week with one current Major League Baseball player and a former one as well. Fantasy Sports Today, Hour 2 starts now. Fantasy Sports Today. Welcome back, Fantasy Sports Today with Craig and Joe here on the Fantasy Sports Radio Network at Craig Mish, at Joe Pizapia, at FNTSY Radio. We got Dr. Roto coming up in an hour from now, full time fantasy. Thanks for tuning into the show today. And we're going to get back to some baseball discussion in just a little bit. Joe, before we do that, I, I caught this yesterday. It has nothing to do with sports, but I, I figured I would bring it up. Uh, Frank Sinatra, who I'm sure is, is, is pictures on the walls in some of your family of Frank Sinatra. Am I correct on that or am I incorrect? <laughs> You would be correct in saying I figured, that uh, I, I am a big Sinatra fan. My kids, you know, like the Sinatra too. Uh, you know, it's uh, how do you not like Frank Sinatra? One of the great voices. I had a guess there. That, that was a guess. Oh, okay. I mean, do you not like Frank Sinatra, Craig? Come on. There's a difference between liking Frank Sinatra and having like a picture of him on the on the wall. No, there's no pictures of him on the in the walls in any of my uh, anywhere. Wow. Okay, all right. No, I mean he's not a you know he's not a deity, but we all love Frank. By the way, fun fact. Uh, Frank Sinatra's um, my great grandmother was Frank Sinatra's godmother. Actually, they my grandfather grew up in Hoboken with Sinatra. I got a funny uh, story about that. I can save for later. So go ahead. Continue on with the Sinatra. Why save it for later? Anyway, uh, I I want you to get to your story here because I know you're excited about the story. Mm -hmm. So we don't have a Florida man today. We have a Sinatra (laughs) man. I mean, this is crazy. (laughs) I'm interested in this. This is very curious. Mm. Frank Sinatra apparently had a gold. Uh, seated toilet and not just one he had several of them i guess this was in his suite in the golden nugget and they're putting these up for sale <laughs> wait this, wait are you making up the golden nugget part no <laughs> no they, i mean that's kind of funny don't you think oh that's true yeah yeah golden nugget. Point. you didn't fair see point. the irony in that you didn't see no the I, I didn't there? catch that i didn't catch that i take back every all the larry david stuff at least Sorry. larry david would have i missed i missed that there. one it was it was over golden my nuggets. head and it was under my you know what okay so <laughs> here we go are you interested joe in a gold seated toilet that frank sinatra used to sit on in the golden nugget casino in atlantic city now i could lie to you here and say no it's stupid but there's a little part of me that goes, that'd be kind of cool to have. <laughs> like, Here I, I want that in my personal. A, right. Yeah. Yeah. My personal bathroom. No, like this is in the ensuite of your bedroom. This is not where everybody else gets to go. You got a gold throne, baby. If I'm going to, I crap gold records all the time. I'm going to go out. You know, I want my gold toilet. And I make my golden bangs and my golden nugget casino. You know, it's funny because Frank Sinatra is like, you know, I mean, a real neighborhood kind of guy for the most part, but it's, it's, 
how much did they spend on this? How much? What was the uh, what was the the price of the of the auction? Or we don't know. It's just oh, on we don't auction. know. It's, it's going. Oh, to so auction. it's still available for me, is what you're saying? It is. All right. Now listen. How much money you got in the bank? Come on. Be honest with me here. We, we, we got enough to make this happen. We probably could buy it, but then right, we'd probably be, buy it. You know, I mean, that I, would, I think that I would could be, buy it. That would be all we would have, maybe. But that's that's. Yeah, but you know what? What more do you need? You want to talk about a throw? This Frank Sinatra. If look, if there's one toilet to own. I think this is the one. I'm just saying. Like, I mean, you don't want Elvis's toilet. Nobody wants no. that. Mm-mm. Nobody wants the president's toilet. Nobody wants that. Frank Sinatra's toilet. That's kind of cool. The classic know? toilet. Yeah. yeah, of course. It's first class. When you flush it, it goes, it goes, whoa. It makes like a little, it, yeah, it's it's not like a not like a regular flushing sound. It, it has like a little Sinatra. It's on pitch. It's a pitch perfect flush, the Sinatra toilet. That's what you get out of that. Here's the story. You ready for this? <clears throat> True story. Sure. Mm-hmm. Now, my grandfather, you know, we always, you know, Grandpa Benny Benedetto was his, was his full name, by the way. Super, okay. We're talking super Italian, Hoboken Italians here, okay? Yeah, sounds like super it. Italian, right? Okay, mm-hmm. so uh, no gold toilets, by the way, in Hoboken, I'm pretty sure. Okay. However, well, glad to hear. Is it, you know, he used to always tell these funny stories, and, you know, one of his favorite games, he used to sit there, and you'd be watching TV with it, and you're like, you know, you see like a James Cagney movie on AMC, but hey, look, it's Jimmy Cagney. I remember I met him in uh, 19... Uh, you know, 34, blah, blah, blah. We had a drink. Uh, he's dead. Oh, look, it's Jackie Gleason. Uh, I remember I met him one time when I was working. Blah, blah, blah. He's dead. His favorite game was outliving other celebrities that he gotcha. knew or met. Yeah. Uh, but he would tell you this story every now and then. He would say, you know, about the kids in the neighborhood. And one of the stories was one time, you know, there was this kid they used to pick on sometime in the neighborhood because he was kind of a pain in the ass. And they put him in a barrel and they rolled him down uh, the, a hill in this barrel. But they didn't realize inside the barrel it had nails, like, you know, sticking out when they hammered the barrel and stuff like that. So when the kid came out, the kid had, like, all these scratches, he was bloody, and he went screaming home to his mother. And he got the beating of a lifetime and stuff like that. But every now and then, if he had one uh, one too many uh, Seagram 7s, every now and then that story would end with, <clears throat> and that kid was Frank Sinatra. Clank. And he would take a shot <laughs> and tell you that story. Really? And I loved that. Yeah, yeah. All the time. And And it's funny because like I said, his, you know, everybody, all the Italians were super close there. And, you know, they, so everybody grew up in the neighborhood, the same thing. And his, and like I said, my great grandmother was very close with his mom. That was his godmother. So, you know, they were all around, but you know, kids are kids. They're going to, you know, especially back in those days. So yes, um, a lot different. I'm, I'm a, I'm a big Sinatra fan. I like the Dean Martin, the Rat Pack, all that stuff. I always was, you know, grew up kind of on that music a little bit, but then really discovered it in my teenage and college years, believe it or not. Cause in my college years, that swinger area of music, you know, like the swing bands and stuff like that, that was a really hot thing. So all that Sinatra rap club, you know, rap pack club, kind of the swingers movie, John Favreau wrote all that stuff was really hot then. So this is a, this is great music. And I, and I hope this, you know, I think we need uh, to pass on real music to our, our future generations here. And it's not just one of them. And I think things like gold toilets are stupid, but Frank Sinatra's gold toilet sounds pretty cool. All right, there you go. Just yeah, gonna say. A, yeah, the Rat Pack. Belle Biv DeVoe was the Rat Pack, right? No, no. no? It was uh, Dean Martin. Can you name different. the Rat Pack? Because I can. Come, come. Let's see. Let's, let's I test. Know Sammy, I know Sammy Davis Jr. That's one. Right? You know Frank Sinatra. That's two. And Dean come Martin. On. Yeah. Dean Martin. There's one more. Um, British fellow. You know his name. No, I don't know. Peter Lawford. Was the oh, fourth guy? Right, yeah. Mm-hmm. There you go. See, look at it. Look at me, the young kid teaching you a thing or two about a thing or two. Yeah, I didn't know that one. Okay. All right. So, uh, yeah, the gold toilet segment here. We just knocked it. Would out. you have a gold toilet of anybody? Mm, nah. 
you don't have any you don't have any heroes anymore. I feel like all your I, I do have memorabilia. I do have a nice collection of memorabilia that I've attained. What's through. your what's your gold piece? What's your gold toilet? What's your gold standard? Uh, memorabilia. Everybody has the one thing that they love the most. No, I really have so much that it's hard to pick. I mean, no, what's, no, not what, even like what's a sentimental one. What's worth? Uh, not really. What's worth the most? I mean, there's that's 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 hard to choose. Um, I have an item signed by Jackie Robinson. Well, that's that's a nice piece. Mm-hmm. It's not right. a big. It's a it's a it's a um uh like an index card. Mm-hmm. My, my I've father. got an authentic uh, 1955 Dodgers pennant from when they won the World Series that my father had when he was growing up in Brooklyn. Yeah, that's, that's really a nice little uh, historic piece kind of thing. You know, I, yeah, I, but, I mean, when it comes to baseball, I think I have everything. Let's put it that way. Like pretty much yeah. have. I was a baseball uh, card I, I don't fanatic have as Ruth. a kid. So. Yeah, I was too. Now. What a waste of time that was. No, All it right. wasn't. Because you know what? Look at us now. Look at where we got to. Talking about gold toilets on the radio. Yeah, Look at us. This is true. All right. Coming up next, we'll dive back into fantasy baseball talk. You can you can now uh, tune us back in. We'll, we'll have what you guys want to talk about. We'll be back with more fantasy sports today. Don't go away. Want to be the next Daily Fantasy Millionaire? Dunk on your NBA DFS competition with DailyRoto.com and dominate on FanDuel and DraftKings this season. Compete with the pros with DailyRoto.com, Optimizer, and the most accurate projections in NBA DFS, plus lineup alerts, breaking news, late swap support, and much more. Save 10% on winning NBA DFS advice with promo code DUNK. Visit DailyRoto.com backslash DUNK to learn more. Sports today. And I like football. And I'm going to keep doing them both because they make me feel good. Welcome back to Fantasy Sports Today. Craig and Joe back with you. Happy Friday. Hope you guys have a good weekend. We'll be back on Monday with full Super Bowl previews, looking at all the Super Bowl props, giving you our opinions. Kind of weird having two weeks off of the Super Bowl, but I get it. They build it up, and um, a, 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 so many things getting ready to happen here where I live in South Florida. It's just it's just wild. So we'll we'll uh, we'll talk about that all next week. Uh, let's dive back into baseball here and talk about a couple of player comparisons, potentially player debates if we have them. Uh, Reese Hoskins NFBC ADP at one eleven. Yulieski Gurriel's ADP is 116. I feel like I've seen Hoskins do more or less the same thing over the last three years, and I've seen Gurriel do what he did once. The only question is, can is this who Gurriel is now after, from May on, being arguably the most dangerous hitter on the Houston Astros, or do you like that predictability of Reese Hoskins, Joe? Well, you know, it's funny. All the fallout, Craig, of all of the Houston Astros scandal, all the scandalous Houston Astros stuff, I'm not worried about Altuve. I'm not worried about Springer. I'm not worried about Bregman. Guriel, whenever a 35-year-old guy all of a sudden doubles his normal home run product, that's something I think we should all pay attention to. And, you know, if you want to talk about sophomore slumps, as we did earlier in the first hour, uh, look no further than Reese Hoskins. I mean, he's still at 29 dingers last year, but let's be honest. I mean, 226 is not where you want him. Uh, 819 OPS is not where you want him. This is a tale of ADP between two players in a 10-year age difference one coming off a career season, one coming off a down season. And I will take the younger guy. I will go with the 27-year-old Reese Hoskins with all that lineup protection. He's got not that Gurriel doesn't have it. Obviously, he's got it in spades too. But uh, I want the power that I think is going to be legitimate. 
The only argument I can make is in a roster construction argument. If you started off amazing in power, Guriel is going to have a far superior batting average to even a very good year of Hoskins. Let's say Hoskins is a 260 player. We're talking a 30 point different batting average with Guriel. That is the only argument I can make for Guriel. Other than that, he went from being a very nice corner player to all of a sudden a legit 3,100 first baseman. And now at 36 years old, I don't know, man. I am not buying that. There's a huge spike in slugging percentage too, year over year, over 100 point difference. I'm not buying that. Reese Hoskins, I think we're just scratching the surface. And I think people have forgotten how good he was in 2018, where he had 34, 96, and 850 OPS. And the year before, in a short sample, had 1,000 OPS. So this kid is legit. At a down year, adjustment year, I say he bounces back. Which way do you go, Craig? Guriel or Hoskins? Yeah, I'd probably take Hoskins too. Yeah, I mean, Guriel, while he had that great year and he carried a lot of people to championships last year, hard to figure that that, that just kind of oh, came out of nowhere. I really didn't see that coming. So I, I will go um, I will go Hoskins in this spot. I think it's pretty simple for me, actually. Not even a debate. Yeah, there's recency bias. You know, that's something that happens a lot where people fall in love with a player then he disappoints them and they go, oh, I'm out. And it's good. You're seeing it with Vlad Guerrero Jr. going two rounds later than he did last year, which is much more appropriate. But people just fall out of love too quickly or they, they overdraft a player, get burned, and then they somehow blame the player instead of blaming themselves. And if you like the player, keep going after the player. Eventually, that's going to work out. If you really, truly believe in the player, most of the time, those guys do succeed. But Guriel's one of these guys that you want. I mean, that's a complete overhaul in terms of what you're thinking of a profile Guriel. I mean, I've written his profile every year for the last couple of years. And this year, the first thing he said, look, you can't buy him as a starting first baseman. He's still a corner guy. That's where he lives. Unless you're talking like a 20 team league as a starting first baseman. Okay. Or whatever that that's different, but man, I can't get there. I at 36 to have a power spike like that. That's double his normal output. I'm sorry, man. I, I just think that is asking a lot. And his normal ADP would be probably 50 spots lower than this. Yeah, it's um, it, we're we're in agreement on this one, no question. Um, okay, let's move on to the shortstop position. Elvis Andrews at one twenty-seven, Ahmed Rosario at one thirty-two. Uh, you know, clearly Andrews, you know, he's he's a little bit inconsistent in terms of the power numbers. Showed an immense amount of power, I believe it was a couple of years ago. Rosario is that player that I think that everyone feels like there's another gear to him. Uh, there's more in the tank, so to speak. The one thing that I'm concerned with with Rosario is I don't think he's a great base dealer. I don't know how much base dealing he's going to be. That has not translated over to the big league. So Andrews is at 127. Rosario is at 132. Joe, which way would you go on this one? Yeah, well, Andrews is just 31. We kind of take him for granted because he's been around so long. He came up when he was 20. So he's played a decade now for the Texas Rangers. I mean, think about that for a second. And in his first year, he played 145 games. So it wasn't like, oh, he came up and played 30 games. This is a legit 10-year, 11-year career, actually, I should say now, really. And over that career, he's only hit double digit home runs twice, 2017, where he hit the 20 and then last year, 19. So the year before we got hurt and missed half a season, he was on projection to hit somewhere around, you know, 10 or so. So he's a 10 home run guy who's going to probably steal you 25 bags or somewhere in that vicinity. Rosario, on the other hand, is a player. Unfortunately, I've gotten to watch a ton. He's not the greatest defensive shortstop in the world. And he gets caught a ton when he steals bases. He's basically around a 50% guy, which is not a great ratio. (laughs) You know, you get. You know, still 20 bags and you get caught, you know, half the time. That's not great. Like, or, or 10 times out of the 19 years successful. So he's like a third, excuse me. That's also not a very good one. Uh, historically, Rosario also has not hit good pitching. Last year, that got a little bit better. And at 24 years old this year, you can imagine with 15 home runs and 75-75 profile, that's pretty good. If he's going to give you 15 to 20 steals, okay. 
I think I would lean towards Andrews because I believe the stolen bases are the best thing he offers and the most reliable thing he offers. And at 31, I don't think he's ready to just lose those completely. Whereas Rosario, I know it was a good year, but still the OBP was at 323. So he's still not the greatest guy in terms of getting on base. And, and the BABIP was actually very favorable last year. So for me, I'm going to go with old man Andrews one more time. But how about you? Would you take the young kid Rosario or would I you think go I with would. Andrews? I think I would take okay. a shot on Rosario in this spot. I think that that's a calculated risk where uh, the floor is is sort of where Andrews's floor was last year with the exception of those steals. Now, if you're in a position in a Roto League where stolen bases is the key and that's what you're searching for, I think your best bet is to go with Elvis because over the course of his career, he's been a very consistent 25-steal guy. He's basically played 11 years in the league with 300 uh, stolen bases and in a year that he missed half, he had five. So he's averaging close to 30 steals a year, probably in the 25, 26 range. I could see him completing that. I don't think he's ever hitting 20 home runs again. I don't know how that happened a couple of years ago, but he did it. And I think that you're betting on a little bit of age. And the other part of it, too, is that his OBP isn't exactly in the acceptable range. Uh, 31% two years ago, 31% last year. And you're basically betting on uh, Rosario taking that next step, entering his prime. So um, I, I'll t- I take a shot here with Rosario, but it's not like it's I can understand that. Difference. Yeah, I uh, think the way I structure Roto teams, I need those late steals more. So Andrew's probably more helpful be. to me. It could but, be. Yeah. Okay, uh, let's end with this one. Uh, Scott Kingery, the new third baseman for the Philadelphia Phillies. Justin Turner, the old third baseman for the Los Angeles Dodgers. I think that we know exactly what we're getting from Justin Turner. The question is, does Scott Kingery take that next step, Joe? Well, look, uh, I like Kingery's profile. I like where he's going. I also like the fact we're going to leave him alone at third base this year in one spot because I think it's always mentally taxing for a young player to bounce back and forth between different positions. And he did a really good job. He looked like a 2015 player last year, and that's tremendous. That's a, a really nice thing there to to have. But Justin Turner is a guy where you have the batting average, you have more potentially more power, believe it or not. And on top of that, uh, a situation where you know the batting average is going to be significantly better. So you're losing the stolen bases as a trade-off. I think the steals are easier to find than the batting average. And I'll take the 135 games of Justin Turner. One more time, I will go down this well. I know the pitfalls. I know I might drown down this well. But I think one more time, I'll go with old man Turner and the batting average over Kingery, but it is close for me. How about you, Craig? Yeah, probably younger player here again for me. I'll probably uh, take a shot with Kingery, who, as of right now, has an opportunity to play and play every single day and also qualifies at a lot of positions. So especially if you're playing in one of these mono leagues, like an NL only or a 15-teamer, got a chance to move him all around the diamond. I believe he qualifies at second base. He qualifies at left field, right field, third base, shortstop, and a three-war player, by the way, last year, too. So... Uh, third base and outfield will be his primary positions. It depends on the league you're playing in. He played 18 games at shortstop last year. That would be a crucial qualification, depending on the league that you're playing in. Most of the Yahoo leagues, they qualify everywhere. So I'm guessing on Yahoo. <laughs> yeah. I saw second base once, so now I can qualify. Yeah, Yahoo, they just, they basically. Why do they do that? I don't know. It's so dumb. Yeah, they put him everywhere. But it I, throws everything off. It's, it's, a it's, not, it's not just about the steals for me here. It's about he plays every day. He plays third base, probably batting at the top of the lineup for them, too. There's a chance, at least, of that. Uh, McCutcheon probably won. Maybe Kingery has a shot to bat second. Of course, they have Harper. They have Real Buto. They have Hoskins. They have Didi. So the more I'm talking myself into it, I'm talking myself out of it. Kingery probably at the bottom of the lineup. But regardless of it. <laughs> well, that, that was another that was another thing for me, too, is where they hit in the lineup. And I don't know if there's ever – he's definitely one of – has there ever been a guy who have a more surprising career than Justin Turner? No. He's, he's really right? gone from nothing to something. Yeah, no so really something for, for a pretty long time now, like a good player. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> you know? I mean, some of it, some of what you're up against is the injury factor, too. You know that. But that's that's of part course. of who he is. All right. Uh, we'll look at some pictures coming up next year on Fantasy Sports Today. Please don't go anywhere. We'll be right back. Yeah. 
Want to be the next Daily Fantasy Millionaire? Dunk on your NBA DFS competition with DailyRoto.com and dominate on FanDuel and DraftKings this season. Compete with the pros with DailyRoto.com, Optimizer, and the most accurate projections in NBA DFS, plus lineup alerts, breaking news, late swap support, and much more. Save 10% on winning NBA DFS advice with promo code DUNK. Visit DailyRoto.com backslash DUNK to learn more. Fantasy Sports Today with Craig Mish and Joe Pizzapia. Diamonds are forever. Want to be the next Daily Fantasy Millionaire? Dunk on your NBA DFS competition with DailyRoto.com and dominate on FanDuel and DraftKings this season. Compete with the pros with the DailyRoto.com optimizer and the most accurate projections in NBA DFS, plus lineup alerts, breaking news, late swap support, and much more. Save 10% on winning NBA DFS advice with the promo code DUNK. Visit DailyRoto.com slash DUNK to learn more. That's DailyRoto.com slash DUNK, DailyRoto.com. That is where millionaires are made. And welcome back to Fantasy Sports Today. We've got full-time fantasy on the way, 2 o'clock Eastern with Dr. Roto. Also, uh, interviews from earlier this week in case you missed them. Uh, Lorenzo Kane was on our show earlier this week. We're going to play that back for you coming up in the next segment, as well as our interview with former big leaguer, general manager, and current broadcaster of the Texas Rangers, Tom Greaves. So those two interviews coming up next here on Fantasy Sports Today. Before we do that, let's continue our discussion. Comparisons in players in fantasy for 2020, and let's move over to the pitching position here. And Joe, uh, Zach Gallen and Jesus Lazardo. Lazardo of the Oakland A's uh, really is somebody that has arguably maybe the highest pedigree going into the year of any starting young pitcher in baseball. It really does. A lot of people think he's going to be a superstar. His ADP 131. Zach Gallen, who uh, tore up the minor leagues last year, came up to the Marlins and looked pretty good as well. Marlins decided that they wanted their shortstop of the future, so they traded him for Jazz Chisholm of the Arizona Diamondbacks. Gallen went to Arizona, was phenomenal with Arizona as well. So the question is, is there more reliability here with Gallen, knowing he can go out and throw 170 pitches next year? You pretty much know exactly what you're going to get from him. Or is the upside of Lazardo very tasty and something that you want to dip into? You know, it's funny. A year ago at this time, this is a no-brainer. <clears throat> I'm in on Lazardo all the way. And then the shoulder issue happened. They missed significant time last year. And I know he did come back eventually, and I know he looked like Lazardo again. And Lazardo historically, too, has much better control, which is another reason I really like Lazardo. Good ballpark, better ballpark, you could argue, too. Mm-hmm. But I got to tell you, I think I'm going with Gallon in redrafts right now. I think this year, even though Gallon has the higher walk rate, it was good to see that walk rate go down by almost a full point by the time he got from Miami to Arizona. I thought that was significant progress. He's real tough to square up to Gallon. So Gallon's going to give you the strikeouts. The whip might be a little high, but the fact that he doesn't give up a lot of hits kind of offsets that. He's just one of those guys that's just tough to square up. So I'm actually going to go with Gallon here. And I look, don't I love Lazardo. I had him in my 2014 Dynasty League, and last year I traded him on a minor league contract to get a $30 Garrett Cole, and I have zero regrets about that. And I think this is another lesson of, hey, you know, if anybody's going to offer you a, a great now player who's got a couple great years possibly in him, you take that deal every day because you never know. And what happened to Lazardo two months later? Boom, shoulder surgery. So, you know, you just never know what's going to happen with these young guys. And I think Gallon right now is poised in a better position to give you more productivity in 2020. So I'm fascinated to see where you lie here because Gallon is a former Martin guy. So you might have a stronger opinion on this than me even. 
Yeah, it, it's not even that. It, it's more of I just just from a counting stats number, just from counting stats alone. Right. I I can't see Lazardo going from thirty innings pitched to uh, one hundred thirty innings. Like that just doesn't happen in the well, his high his high water mark. Mark, excuse me, was one hundred nine in two thousand eighteen. Yeah, I, I don't think that that's going to 170, and I think gallons are. I, I think some. I think the peripherals may look better from Lazardo in the end, but you're going to get more wins and more strikeouts from Gallon, and that's, and and I think that's a guarantee. That I and I rarely say that, but I just I hey. really think that. But I don't Gallen, think you're wrong. 2017, 147 innings for Gallon. 2018, 133, and then last year, uh, 80 in the um, see 90 between 170 last year between the two. Two minors in major leagues. I mean, yeah, he's right there. You're right. So I, I just think the counting stats are a lock in the win total. Uh, they're a lock in the strikeout total. And so if Lazardo's ERA is better and his whip is better, uh, I mean, I, I but you're getting more ratings from the other guy. I just, I don't know. I don't think that this is particularly close. So I would go with uh, with Gallon here for sure. Yet the ADP is back-to-back. Yeah, Fascinating, right? Lazardo's got a great name and he's he's got an unbelievable pedigree. By the way, Lazardo grew up around uh, my area too. We went to... Stoneman Douglas High School in Parkland, and so very familiar with him. And as he's come through the major leagues too, I think he has a chance to be a star. But, um, but I certainly don't. Um, I certainly would take uh, Gallon over him. All right, Joe. Let's move on to two pitchers in fantasy baseball and uh, move into the one thirty range in the NFBC. We've got Eduardo Rodriguez of the Boston Red Sox, Lance Lynn of the Texas Rangers. And and yeah, one of the more surprising numbers to me was to see the number of games that Eduardo Rodriguez won last year. I you know honestly didn't know. Um, you know, you kind of just miss out on some things. This guy won 20 games. I mean, I just, it's like kind of flew past me. Uh, Lance Lynn is like Mr. Consistency. I, I know exactly what I'm going to be getting from Lance Lynn virtually every single year. Uh, we had Tom Grieve on the show yesterday. We'll play back some of that interview coming up. It's very uncertain in, in terms of what the pitchers uh, may perform in Texas. We don't know the answer to that either. But where are you on this debate here with Rodriguez or Lynn? They're both sitting on the board for you, and and you pick who? Well, look, I, I think Lance Lynn's season was terrific. And the second half, when we were doing that bit last week about great second halves that people don't realize, Lance Lynn was right there, right? I mean, it was monstrous. So it wasn't like all of a sudden he was really good in the first couple of months and he dropped off. That was not the case. Problem is, you know, up until last year, he had gone since 2014 before throwing 200 innings. That's a long time. There's been a lot of injuries, a lot of issues for Lance Lynn. And I'm a little concerned about at 33 years old, what's the durability? How is he doing? Now, I would be happy with either of these guys in my fantasy rotation, especially as number threes. That'd be fantastic. I'm all for that. However, if I have both of them on the board, I'm going to go with Eduardo Rodriguez because I look at the peripherals there. Three years in a row, he has a nine or higher K per nine. Three years in a row, that walk rate is held steady at three. It hasn't gone really above it. It's right at three for the most mm-hmm. part. And last year, he did hit that 200 innings plateau for the first time. And at 27 this year, I have every reason to believe that that offense is going to support him again. And I have every reason to believe that he can get close to that. Now, I would like to see him still trim that walk rate. That would still be nice. There's still progress to be had here. But I will go with Eduardo Rodriguez if I have the choice between these two. I'll take the younger arm over the older arm who had a great bounce back season last year. But I think Eduardo Rodriguez might even have one more gear in him that's better than we saw last year. Okay. Um, yeah, I you know this is an interesting one because I don't think that like this is like in a vacuum conversation. It may be Rodriguez, but I, I think that if I was looking at my staff and I really needed some upside and a guy to pop, I think I would go Rodriguez. 
if if I already had a pretty good staff and I'm just kind of looking at my SP3, I guess, in a 12-team mixer or 15-team mixer, and I'm like, ah, you know, I just want somebody consistent. I want the innings. Uh, I already have my, you know, top two guys. One of them's Cole. One of them's Verlander, you know. One of them's uh, one of the Scherzer. I, I, I would go Lynn. I, so I, I don't think it's an easy answer for me here. It just would kind of depend on what the roster construction is, I guess, for me. And the other part of it, too, is that, you know, Lynn is not being asked to be an ace or maybe even a number two on this staff. And so in the early part of the season, he's not really going against the best pitchers in the American League. I think he's got a chance to open up very well in April, too. That would factor in for me also in the conversation. So I would probably go Lynn in a safer bet. And if I really didn't draft the high pitching and I was looking at, at Rodriguez as a, as a borderline SP2, SP3, and I'm like, wow, I'm going to need somebody really to come through for me in the pitching end. I think I would go Rodriguez. Yeah, it makes sense to me. I think that's a good logic there. I, I think either way, you end up with one of these guys. I think you're doing all right. I really do. But if I have the choice, I'm still going to go Erod by a hair just because, you know, so you see this profile sometimes. You see it in Castillo. You see it in Cole where things are going in the right direction. And at this age, there could be that next step. Whereas Lance Lynn, at his age, there is no next step. That's as good right. as it gets for Lance Lynn. And it's not that it wasn't great. It's just that's basically what Erod did last year, too. Right. Um, and by the way, we would both agree that they're an SP3 in a 12 or 15 team league, right? I think so. I think you'd rather have them as a three. I, yeah, I really I, do. I think a two I mean, is you'd have, not where you yeah. want to be with these guys. Yeah. No, I think they're both, they're high end, <laughs> high end threes, but I, I don't think you're quite ready to put them as a number two yet. Rodriguez might end up there, but I don't know if that's something you want to like bank on. Uh, the, I don't think you need to at this ADP. I agree. You know, yeah. where they're going in the one change in the 140 range or something like that. It's that's, that's fine. All right, Robbie Ray at 150, Kyle Hendricks at 157. There's some volatility with both of these players. There's no doubt about that. Hendricks is relying a little bit on the defense, which the Cubs seem to have a pretty good one. Robbie Ray is reliant on not walking guys and not having that high whip and high ERA. He's a little bit hit or miss. His home road splits are obviously involved there too. Um, So where do you go here with this one? I'm I'm not in love with either pitcher this year, but if I need the strikeouts, I got to go Ray. If I need the predictability, I got to go Hendricks. I think that's part of it. I think that's it, too. I think that's where it lands at the end of the day. It's the splits that drive me crazy, too. So I'll take it to another level, which is I think if I'm in a head to head league, I'd rather have Hendricks because I think he is a little bit more of a safer floor player on a weekly basis. Whereas Robbie Ray, you have to manage it more because the home road splits are so drastic. You know what? There's nothing worse than drafting a guy to be a three or four starter in your rotation and having to manage him. Like, I just want to leave that guy alone. I don't, I don't have to take every time he goes, you know, and pitches a certain ballpark or doesn't. But, like, that's that's frustrating. That's for the fifth starter spot. Like, you want to kind of get a fourth guy that you believe in, that you can kind of leave in there. And I think Hendricks is more that guy. Hendricks will give you better ratios, too, but obviously less strikeouts. So if you're desperate for strikeouts, I can understand going with Ray. But because I play so many head-to-head formats, I kind of lean towards Hendricks. But you're right. This is, I think, a, a tough one, which is why I put it in there. So... Uh, for your purposes, which way would you go? If I needed strikeouts, I'd go right. That's it. Mm-hmm. If, if, if I thought that I was behind on strikeouts, yeah, I mean, that's that's pretty much it. Like, it, it depends on who my SP2 is. Like, if my SP2 is Hunjin Ryu, I got to go with Ray. If my SP2 is uh, Lance Lynn, I probably would go with Kyle Hendricks. It just depends on if I need strikeouts. Or not. I mean, we're all chasing those strikeouts with our SP1s and SP2s. So mm-hmm. in all likelihood, even our SP2 is going to have a high K per nine. But if they didn't for some reason, and the, KP, the K per nine was only eight per nine, like if Madison Bumgarner was my SP2, I go Robbie Wright with my SP3. Yeah, I, I Ryu and Bumgarner are threes in the black book this year for good reason. 
Oh, so, yeah. I don't think they're SB2s. Yeah. But, if I, but if I have to have them as that, I mean, look, your draft is going to be different for everybody. I understand where, you're, where the Black Book has it, but that, you know, and that will help me in the draft, but it doesn't help me if I didn't end up with those guys. And I'm no, sitting. No, I mean, look, more likely you're going to have guys like Aaron Nola, like Barrios. You know, maybe even Kluber, Severino. Those it are your could, number two be. starters. It could be. That, or or have it if I went all offense and I'm like, oh, man, now I'm I'm catching up with pitching. Now I'm looking at Robbie Wright. You know, that, that's the difference. Well, if you're catching up with pitching, I think you lean the strikeouts. That's, and, that's, and because exactly, that's, that's, that's the point. one right. that's harder to find. Yeah, I would agree sure. with that. All right. We'll take a brief time out. We'll be back with a couple of interviews we did earlier this week. One with Lorenzo Cain of the Brewers. The other with Tom Grieve talking Texas Rangers baseball. Want to be the next Daily Fantasy Millionaire? Dunk on your NBA DFS competition with DailyRoto.com and dominate on FanDuel and DraftKings this season. Compete with the pros with DailyRoto.com, Optimizer, and the most accurate projections in NBA DFS, plus lineup alerts, breaking news, late swap support, and much more. Save 10% on winning NBA DFS advice with promo code DUNK. Visit DailyRoto.com backslash DUNK to learn more. Fantasy Sports Today with Craig Mish and Joe Pizzapia. And welcome back to Fantasy Sports Today. In case you missed it earlier this week, Joe and I had a chance to catch up with Brewers outfielder Lorenzo Cain. Two years ago, Lo, you joined the Brewers. It's the big splash with you and Christian, and you guys have a fantastic year. You guys had a good year again last year, too. But I guess the talk for the Brewers this year is kind of more about the guys that are gone, honestly, than the guys that are there. And I know recently there have been some additions in uh, Garcia and uh, and Justin Smoke. And, and when you're talking to the guys or just kind of watching the, the hot stove, what do, you, what do you make of your club going into this year? Yeah, um, you know, at first, you know, you know, um, you know, my first year there, you know, I was so – you got so used to seeing those guys, you know, uh, you know, the Arcias and the Aguilars and Perez, like all those guys that were there. And basically half our team is not there anymore. So um, it, it, it's tough to see all those guys leave because like I said, we had a, we had a really, really a lot of fun and we had a good chemistry. And honestly, I just don't know what to expect with all the new guys coming in, you know, cause I don't really know much about them. And uh, but at the same time, you know that's when you you rely on you know our, our GM Stearns. You know he 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 knows what he's doing. He knows how to put a, a great team together, and you just re- rely on him and, and and understand that he's gonna put a solid team out there on the field. And uh, my job is to go out there, you know, push help push everybody, help you know bring the best out of everybody, and hopefully we can can uh, you know make a playoff push and uh, yeah. hopefully go deep in the playoffs. Yeah, as a follow-up to that, you had a chance to see a player that, that we're all going to be very familiar with this year because we, we got a little glimpse of him last year, Low. But is, is Keston Hira, do you think he's the real deal in terms of hitting? And I know that defense is something they talk about a lot, but it really seemed like that could be one of your next stars on your team. Yeah, I agree with that 100%. The kid is, is, is the real deal. You know, he has power to all fields. You know, um, I feel like he's a great hitter. And uh, when he got there last year and and – and he just did unbelievable things for us. You know, he boosted our lineup tremendously. And I remember him getting sent down. I'm like, what are we doing? He needs to be back up here. <laughs> we were all saying that. I got news for you. Every fantasy player out there, every fantasy analyst, what is going on? We were waiting so long for him. But you definitely think he's the real deal? 
Yeah, I think he's the real deal. You know, the guy's going to hit. He's going to hit for average. I think he's going to hit for power. You know, um, like I said, he's improving defensively. You know, he's working He's working his butt off each and every day to make sure he, he's the best second baseman out there. So uh, he's a guy that's going to put in the work, and that's all you can ask for. A guy that's going to go out there and put in the work and uh, play his, play 100% and give it, give it his all. But I definitely think he's the real deal for sure. Well, you've been the real deal for quite some time, too. And obviously it showed when the Royals had those great runs and now these great runs in Milwaukee, too. And part of your game has been that stolen base and i'm fascinated to ask you because you know you're actually one of the people who can answer this question directly being mm-hmm. a guy who still goes out there as a, as a five tool player and still will swipe 25 to 30 bases a year and yet we see front offices time and time again now recently kind of devalue that stolen base in some of the analytics that go on in baseball but you're a ball player first and foremost so i'm curious do you see value still i mean obviously you're you're still out there doing it but do you think that maybe some of the analytics might not be getting it right in that sense. And then the stolen base is actually more important than maybe the front offices are, are seeing it nowadays. Yeah, I agree with you 100%. I think stolen base is huge. Uh, being able to steal bases, uh, being able to go first to third. I think you need players like, like that on your team. You know, um, you know, we, you know, we, it's, it's enough base cloggers out there. You know, uh, we, we yeah. need guys to you know, keep, keep the uh, double play, stay away from the double play. Um, guys can still take the extra base at any time is something that I think we need more of in this game. But, uh, you know, nowadays the, the game is, I mean, people love to see the home runs, you know. I've never been a, a big power threat. I'll hit you 10 to 15, but, you know, for the most part, you know, uh, guys are swinging for the fence, you know. And uh, that's just kind of how the game is, is going towards. But I continue to try to play my game. You know, I try to hit for a high average, you know, try to swipe bags, play solid defense, and just kind of be that all-around player. And, uh, you know, I had a down year last year. You know, um, played through a lot of stuff last year, but I'm I'm feeling great, working my tail off the entire off season, and I'm looking to get back to the player I know I can be uh, out there on the field. So uh, I'm definitely feeling great, feeling healthy, and I'm ready to get this thing going. Well, if that was a down year, I mean, come on, you're being too <laughs> modest. I mean, the gold glove. I mean, he finally gave you the gold glove. I mean, it was ridiculous for three years. We were calling for that. Everybody was, and uh, you were finally recognized for that. Uh, we're here with Lorenzo Kane as we wrap up. Uh, here on the show. Lo, you know, I got, I wouldn't be doing my job if I didn't ask you this question because it is the, the hot story in baseball. And certainly I don't know how much you can speak to it, but uh, with everything on Monday that happened with the Houston Astros, I'm sure uh, you're aware, uh, you know, their manager mm-hmm. um, was suspended for a year and then fired by the owner. Uh, the commissioner suspended the, the general manager for a year and then fired by the owner. They were taking draft picks away and of course they were fined uh, millions of dollars low. Um, you know, obviously we know things go on within the diamond and within the white lines for sure in the game, this seemed to be way out of bounds with what happened with the Houston Astros. What are your thoughts on how the commissioner levied these suspensions? Well, for me, I think they got off light, you know, that's just my honest truth. I think they got off pretty light for me. So, uh, you know, doing what they did, like I say, to, to win a championship, I think they got off really light. So, um, I mean, it's, 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 it's so hard to win a world series and it's so hard to get to the playoffs and, and accomplish something so great in this game. And um, like I say, to only get a year and only get fined a, you know, a few million dollars, which is nothing to an owner nowadays, you know. So um, for me, I mean, you know, where my stance is on it is they got off light, and I just kind of where I'm, where I'm at with it. Also on the show earlier this week, we talked Texas Rangers baseball with broadcaster Tom Grieve. Tom, you know, I, I think that the hot topic around baseball right now, and certainly you see them a ton, is, of course, the Houston Astros and everything that has happened with them. And there's just so many layers to the whole situation. But, I mean, who better to speak on this than you? 
having seen them so often, uh, you know, throughout your tenure as a broadcaster with the Texas Rangers. And, you know, you certainly are very familiar with how the game is played inside the lines as well. Uh, as this has gone on, I don't even know if you've been asked about it so far. Has this been disappointing to you? Has it been frustrating to you? What, what have your emotions been like hearing about all of this? Well, you know, the, the first the first thing I'll say before you even get that we see right now is this is a great team. These are frontline players. They play hard. I love their enthusiasm. The last couple of years, we've had a tough time with them, and so has everybody else in the American League. But um, when you watch the way they play, the way A.J. Hinch managed them, um, even though they're beating you, you still look down <clears throat> and you admire the talent and you appreciate the way they play the game. So even without the cheating, this is a really, really good team. Having said all that, <clears throat> I definitely don't think the Astros have distinguished themselves as a franchise over the last year or so. You know, they had the situation in the clubhouse where the reporter from Detroit couldn't come into the clubhouse because Justin Verlander didn't want him there, didn't like the things he'd written in the past. And, you know, that's, that's a breach of etiquette, a breach of the way you're supposed to conduct yourself as an organization. You don't have to uh, like every reporter that comes in, but everybody should have the same access. And Major League Baseball told them that. Now, you know, that's, that's not something that you should be proud of. Um, in addition to the cheating, I think a bigger stain might be the way that the executive treated the female reporters after they clinched against the Yankees and um, to, to win the American League pennant when he – screamed at the at the girls how happy he was with profanity laced sentences to have Osuna on the team one of the girls had a bracelet that um, that indicated her support for domestic violence and obviously Osuna had that thing happen in Toronto um, case of domestic violence where he was suspended no one wanted to sign this guy the Astros signed him and that was their right he served his penalty and they had the right to sign him but the way that he addressed these female reporters was just totally inappropriate it, it was almost uh, it was almost violent the way he screamed at them and then the way that the Astros the, the Astros hap, uh, handled the whole situation when they said um, it was an attempt to fabricate a story where one doesn't exist. They didn't believe her. They heard they trashed the female reporter. And, you know, then several days later, they look at it again and they realize what happened and they, they fired the guy. Well, you know, you, you ought to get your facts straight before you accuse a respected member of the media of lying like that. It's, it was just a <clears throat> a terrible situation and a, and a real stain on the Astros, and that starts right at the top, right with the owner that allowed that to happen. Um, and then the guy himself, times you someone um, commits a commits a uh, does something like that and says, um, "If I offended anybody, I apologize." Well. I don't think that it's a matter of if you offended anybody. He knows he offended someone. That's not even an apology. But the thing that he said that was even more amazing was that than that was, in retrospect, I realized what I said could have been offensive. 
you had to have days to look back and in retrospect yeah. know that that was the case. And that was ridiculous. That's, so <clears throat> they already had a couple of things happen that they shouldn't be proud of. And I think the thing that's by, you know, I could see how the cheating thing can happen. You're trying to get an edge. You're trying to use technology. The lines get blurred. You make a decision to do this. You're having success with it. Nobody's going to find out about it. You know it's wrong, but hey, everybody's trying to do it, do something to get an edge, and, and this happens. And, um, I, I can see how that could happen. The thing that's disappointing to me is when you put a microphone in front of Alex Bregman or you put a microphone in front of Jose Altuve and you get an answer, something like, well, Major League Baseball did an investigation. They made the decisions they made, and now we just have to move forward. Um, that, that, that doesn't get it for me. I, I'd like to see one of the players stand up and say, I knew what we were doing was wrong. I chose to do it anyway. I realize how we're perceived around baseball, and I'm going to spend the rest of my career trying to make up for the mistake that I made, the decisions that we made as an organization to cheat. Um, I'd have a lot more respect for them if they did that, but I, I don't anticipate I don't anticipate that happening. Tom, you know, the other thing that's on everybody's uh, minds right now is Hall of Fame, obviously, with uh, the induction of Derek Jeter and Larry Walker. And you were a general manager and very instrumental in bringing in Rafael Palmero into the Rangers organization. And Palmero, in my mind, I mean, you can't ask for one of the better all-around players, regardless of wherever we are with the steroid era. But in terms of a player who was a great hitter, a great defender, a guy who could hit for power, uh, a guy who played forever, uh, do you believe, number one, that he deserves a Hall of Fame vote if you had one? And I know it's a loaded question because you were the guy that acquired him. But at the same time, do you <laughs> think also that at some point in time, as we've seen some of these other guys get in, that there is certainly a lot of cloud around them, that things will soften and Palmero will get in eventually? I was drive, I, Every time I'm driving in my car and I'm listening to people discuss that very topic, I say to myself, I don't have a good answer. I can I can talk myself into thinking one way and then say to myself, well, that's not right. It should be the other way. I hear experts that study it day in and day out, um, analysts that study it day in and day out with differing opinions, 180 degrees in the opposite direction. It's such a hard thing, hard thing to determine. Um, there's, I, I think in the last... In the last 10 years, there's probably a player, maybe a player or two, that's gotten into the Hall of Fame that used steroids. He was never mentioned. He was never caught. He never failed a drug test. Um, and there's guys that didn't that probably are looked at as players that probably did. It's just an ugly era with all the accusations and no way to prove anything. So it's a very, a very difficult thing for me to answer. Um, I'll say this about Raffi. Raffi never impressed me as a guy who used steroids. And with that, we'll take a quick time out here on the show. When we come back, it's time for the two-minute warning. Don't go away.
Want to be the next Daily Fantasy Millionaire? Dunk on your NBA DFS competition with DailyRoto.com and dominate on FanDuel and DraftKings this season. Compete with the pros with DailyRoto.com, Optimizer, and the most accurate projections in NBA DFS, plus lineup alerts, breaking news, late swap support, and much more. Save 10% on winning NBA DFS advice with promo code DUNK. Visit DailyRoto.com backslash DUNK to learn more. Fantasy Sports Today with Craig Mish and Joe Pizzapia. And welcome back to Fantasy Sports Today. Craig Mish, Joe Pizzapia back here with you. We're closing out the show here on this Friday in style. It is time for the two-minute warning. The two-minute warning. Two minutes, get your sh- together. Is that going to be enough time? Well, we actually end the show with some good news about Antonio Brown. I know I discussed this even yesterday. This is a back-to-back subject, same subject, two-minute warning, which is rare for me. I like to mix it up. The good news for Antonio Brown is that he turned himself in last night, and earlier this morning, he appeared in front of a judge who determined that he needed to have a mental health evaluation. Now, obviously, this is not not uh, voluntary. It is involuntary. He's got to do it. Hopefully, he is forced into a situation that he does it, and they're putting a GPS on him. They're going to be tracking him, monitoring him. It's very rare in this day and age that you would applaud a judge and say, hey, great job for making sure you got a hold of the situation. But it looks like at least that uh, they're demanding that Antonio Brown get some help. Now, again, some of that is going to have to be up to him. But for the most part, I was very happy to see that this morning. And now potentially maybe the healing part of uh, Antonio Brown's life can begin. That will do it for the show. Hope you guys have a great weekend. Thanks again to all of our guests that came on the program this week. Chris Pavona, our producers, and Sean Guastamacchia. And for my co-host, Joe Pizzapia, I am Craig Mish. Full-time fantasy with Dr. Roto is coming up next. Some fantasy baseball talk, potentially some football talk as well. And then we'll be back on Monday at noon. So have a great weekend, everybody. Talk to you Monday. Be well. And as Dr. Roto would say, take care. Take care.